So, Tanya, I'm thinking about taking a trip. Oh, what kind of a trip? Well, you know, I've never been a big bumper sticker guy. I don't know if you like bumper stickers or like bumper sticker guys. I, okay, number one. Yes. I don't like guys. <laughs> okay, I don't like bumper sticker guys. Okay. There's that's a little history behind it. Sort of number two, I think. That's Yeah, don't that's like guys, two, don't but I'm like going, bumper sticker guys. I'm going there first. You got any bumper stickers? I like bumper stickers. You do? I like them on a on a water bottle or on oh. a computer. I fucking hate bumper stickers on a car. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I've never been much of a bumper sticker guy myself, but I saw this bumper sticker. Yeah? That said, this... MAGA. MAGA? <laughs> Mouth... It- is it MAGA? Mouth. I don't even know how people say it. The first word is mouth around. Giant. A ground. What? <laughs> mouth around giant a ground. That wasn't the bumper sticker. No. The bumper sticker was this car climbed Mouth Washington. So. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. I mean, I, that's what I believe it said. And there's a little picture of a mountain. So my, my understanding... It said Mouth Washington? Well, it said MT Washington, which stands for Mouth Washington. Uh, yes, it does. Why are you making that face? What face? You're making a face at me. It's Mount Washington. Mount what? Mount... What What, what? Mouth Washington? Mouth Washington. Why Mount... Mount Washington. Why would you mount Washington? Is He's, this is this a joke? This is no joke. This is Mouth Washington. No, it's Mount Washington. Mouth Washington. D- d- it flows and it, it makes does. sense. I like it. It's like a, f- a fresh, clean <laughs> mouth of Washington. Yeah, I've been into it ever since freshman year. <laughs> what is going on with you? Welcome, everybody, to the 50th episode. <laughs> I'm 50. <laughs> I'm talking to women about video games, the podcast. We've made it to episode 50. We're awfully excited. We've got a jam-packed show with wonderful guests like Iris, the voiceover actress, mm. and Gretchen, the only guest who ever quit the show and therefore the only guest to ever make a surprise Ozzy Osbourne-esque yeah. return. It was like... The uh, reunion tour. Yeah, that's right. I don't know if people know, but Ozzy Osbourne used to quit touring and doing albums every couple of years, and he would just come back. Gretchen, she came back with even more thunder and brimstone, fire and wrath. Oh, and you'll wow. you'll see for yourself. Jeez. You'll hear for yourself in that clip pretty soon. And what I think the clips this mm-hmm. week have in common is this idea of understanding if the motivations of the people making the things that we enjoy, in this case, the topic being video games, if the motivations of the people making the video games we play, if it matters, and if you can interpret those motivations through the games they make, and if so, if that interpretation of their motivation makes a difference to you. Do you care Mm -hmm. about what people were motivated 
to do when they made things. Uh, it came up uh, just yesterday and the day before in a video game adjacent topic, that being of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, of which there are some video games related to them. She-Hulk is the latest television show in the Marvel Cinematic I Universe. Even, I don't even know about She-Hulk. You don't even know about She-Hulk? What is up with me? <laughs> <laughs> you are a woman. You are a grown woman who is very interested in real life. You do real life stuff all day, and then when you get home and you watch TV or listen to podcasts, it's about real life, usually real crime. You care about the real world. A lot of people just want to escape from that world mm-hmm. and imbibe in such as She-Hulk has to offer. I don't know if you want to know about She-Hulk, but it made me think of you immediately when really? I saw the latest episode. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. She-Hulk is a lot like you in a lot of ways. She is focused on work, doesn't want to make it about her. Mm-hmm. But she ends up becoming superpowered. She ends up with Hulk powers. And she didn't ask for them. She didn't want them. She's not a very violent person. She doesn't solve her problems with violence. She wanted to solve them by following with the rules. Well, with love? <laughs> well, with smarts and the rules. Okay. Being a lawyer. So not fully like me. Not fully. Well, you have a lot of love. That's true. And She-Hulk has some love, but is like, take me seriously. And in this latest episode... Oh, I can be like that too. You're very much like that too. Oof. But has a fun side. Uh, likes to go out with friends and yeah. talk stuff out. Be real. She's very real. Yeah, keep and it she real. And she meets Megan the Stallion. Oh, Megan the Stallion. Yeah, who is apparently a big name celebrity these days. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Singer, songwriter. Is that right? Yeah. Is that what you describe? She says, her? when I ride your dick, I'm going to spell my name. <laughs> how, do you, how, do you, how do you spell the name with the dick ride? You ride the pelvis out like spelling your name, your own name. When like you, doing... Yes. Like shaping when I, Megan, letters? Megan the Stallion says, when I ride your dick, I'm going to spell my name. Wow, I don't That's know That's a power would... move if I ever heard one. I just don't understand the logistics, but I don't I'm wanna... not going to break it down for you. you got to figure that one out on your own. Never will, and I will move on just for the purposes of the listeners, those poor people out there wanting me to get a clue, but it's just not going to happen. <laughs> so She-Hulk's hanging out with Megan the Stallion, playing yes. herself. And the post credit scene, they start twerking to a song I believe is called Body? And it's oh, like yeah. body, 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 And the, yeah. a contingent of Marvel Cinematic Universe fans were outraged. Because she was twerking? Because she was hanging out with Megan Thee Stallion in her law office. And they're wearing three-piece suits. They are not scantily clad, these ladies. Not that it would matter if they were. But for purposes of this discussion, you should know they are showing very little skin. And twerking through suit pants. So you see some shake of their ass, but it's uh, by no means intense and or overtly sexual, at least to me. Okay, so somebody who can do some twerks, but not all. You. I really suck at some twerks, but I can do a couple. You've done some twerks. Let me just preface this with saying twerking is hard. Mm. It It is not something that comes... Naturally or easy. Mm-hmm. Some people, however, do got it and can just twerk. And I'm jealous of those people. But for me, it takes serious concentration mm. and is quite a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, the tightness of the clothes greatly 
hinders or, you know, helps the effort. Oh. So if you have tight clothes on or rigid cloth, you're not going to get that shake the way you would if you just had some, like, oversized sweatpants on. So the sweatpants would help. Yeah, you just let it free or just be free. Whereas a tight suit would be hindering. It does. It changes the whole thing. You wouldn't imagine that clothes would change if you could twerk or not, but it does. Very interesting. Yoga pants, hard to twerk in. Hard to twerk in. Really? Yeah. But suit pants, also difficult. And that's what they're wearing. I just feel like they got to be slightly tight. They are slightly tight. Yeah. yeah. In this scene. So they twerk for a very brief period of time. Mm. And I have seen men say... This is the most disgusting thing that's ever oh, been in the Marvel Jesus Cinematic Christ. Universe. Are you fucking kidding me? We're talking about a, a series of movies where half of life is killed. Eliminated. Yeah. People are shot, stabbed. The heroes of these stories are often killing people. Overt murders done. And, and you know, self-defense sort of. But it's like, I will enter this battlefield and start getting shot at, so now I must shoot back at them. That's something Iron Man did a whole heck of a lot. And this is the character that a lot of these guys are holding up as. Remember when the Marvel Cinematic Universe was good and it was Iron Man doing his quips and killing those guys? Now it's twerking. The worst possible thing. Yeah, that's actually what this guy said. He said, it is the worst dance ever. Anyone who twerks is an idiot. And this other guy was saying... How dare you get mad at me for doing catcalls when you like a show about women who twerk? Of course, oh, because women who twerk. number one, women who twerk, it's their own choice to twerk. It's not their own choice to be catcalled. Oh, I mean, the retorts we could come up with oh, for geez, these fellows. Oh, I could keep going. You could keep going, and maybe you should. I certainly would never want to cut you off from that. But what got me was these men were deeply worried underneath it all that now the Marvel Cinematic Universe was no longer motivated to appeal just to them. This scene with Megan Thee Stallion and She-Hulk, there's no men that they're performing with. Yeah, they're having a bomb time in an office (laughs) twerking to some sweet jams. And impressed with each other. Like you building each other up. Yeah, Yeah, you're twerking very well. She 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 was like Megan's hands hover near yeah, she's She-Hulk's like, ass, but not in a in a, a sexually objectifying way, and like a, I'm really impressed, sister, with your capacity to cause your ass to move in that way. I need to tell you something. Please. This is real life. I, I will share with you a TikTok Please. at some point that I shared with two of my pole friends, which is literally me saying, look at these two girls dancing super sexually with each other. Talk about girl hype. How awesome is that? Mm. And it has nothing to do with the sex or anything. It's about women who choose to not take each other down because we've got enough of everybody else taking us down. Mm. We don't need to be doing it to each other. Mm -hmm. So when we see women celebrating other women, women being free in their sexuality, it not being a gay thing because a girl is dancing with a girl suggestively, Mm. just having fun, feeling good, hyping up their friend, or whatever they want to fucking do. Yeah, I have a perfect example of that for you some other time. I look forward to it. Yeah. So this is an example of something like that. It's not sexually charged. It's not for men to be horny for either of these women exactly. And the women are appreciating each other but aren't being sexually connected to each other either. It's simply sort of a sisterhood and 
ownership of your own body thing. Absolutely. And the men are feeling like this is just motivated to get the TikTok audience. This is motivated to get like... <laughs> Go figure. I just mentioned it. I know. I know. That's exactly what they were thinking. They sensed that this new culture of women connecting with TikTok and other things. And other women. Yeah. Are, were, were threatening. Is that what it is? They want these shows to be about men doing macho money men shit, which is what Iron Man was to them. He's rich, he's like Elon Musk, except he's got lasers. And he'll kill anybody and buy anything he wants. Well, guess what, fellas? Yeah? There's room for all of us. That's very kind of you. I was going to say, guess what, fellas? (laughs) What you like sucks, and they're going (laughs) to stop making it soon, because it actually was trash the whole time. But we'll see about that. We'll move on to one of our guests. Similarly, was assessing the motivation of... A fighting game, Guilty Gear, Strive, wondering, is this game made with me in mind? Does this game understand me? Does this game cater to me? Mm -hmm. And Iris has some answers for us about that. And it was Iris' idea to talk about it. Iris sought me out and said, can I talk about this? And I said, yes. I'm so glad that she did. There's a little surprise about the clip as well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) See if you can tell. There's something different. (laughs) Different about this clip. She's fighting. She's fighting. So I'm back again with Iris. It's been too long. Iris, thank you for being back on the show. And I want to hear all about how your week has been. Hello. Uh, Thanks for very spontaneously asking me that. Um, My week has been fine. I've applied for HRT and I installed Guilty Gear. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a fine week? That That sounds like more than fine, at least on one of the two counts. I don't know how good Guilty Gear is, but... You're you're going to be getting HRT. You applied, or you have confirmed that you will, will be receiving HRT, or or both. Um, I, I have applied for it, so um, this is the first time I've done this. So I don't know what my chances are. Hopefully, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I feel such tension. I almost couldn't speak for a moment because, for me, doing my best to empathize with this situation you're in. To have to apply for treatment that is your life would be weird. I don't know how I'd feel knowing that other people could decide, knowing someone could say no for whatever reason, and then having to fight for that. I wouldn't like that. Well, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, a lot of the experience is sort of uh, living from behind a glass wall and sort of knowing that there's something wrong, but not quite being able to put your finger on it. And, um, you know, just just a lot of problem solving with a lot of difficulty of where to begin. And there's actually, as far as I've been able to tell in my interpretation, there there's a pretty good song about it. And it's called uh, The Town Inside Me. And it, it is Bridget's theme from Guilty Gear. <laughs> so not a coincidence i'm guessing though they did line up coincidentally the fact that you applied for hrt and got the new guilty gear is it guilty gear 
Strive? Is that the name of the latest Yeah, I think one? the new one is called Strive. Yeah. There's third, but it's written X-erd. There's all sorts uh, of Guilty Gears out yeah. there. Guilty Gear 2 is not even a fighting game. It's like a okay Devil May Cry type game. Oh, There's really? so many Guilty Gears out there. And is this mm. your first Guilty Gear Strive? <laughs> Um, I've tried a little bit of, uh, of Guilty Gear. I think it's pronounced Exert, but I always feel a strong drive to pronounce it XRD out of some kind of spite. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. I didn't uh, gel with all that much, um, but it's also like I installed it a little while after its launch. There is a very high floor for online play. Mm, yeah. So if, if you want to be able to do the multiplayer, which is often the point of the game, you already have to be really good in a way that the game can't really prepare you for naturally, which can be an issue. Yeah. That has definitely been an issue for me. Mm, absolutely. And you're not alone on that. And yet you decided to get Strive, which mm -hmm. has not alleviated those issues as far as I know. It is still really difficult to penetrate and feel like you are playing it right. And yet... You went for it this time. I'm guessing it was Bridget. It's just my guess. And it's a guess. Yeah, that was on... the, uh, the push that did it. it. It does help that I already wanted to get into like some kind of fighting game for a while. Mm -hmm. I've uh, learned actually how to play Skullgirls back when that was relatively new. Oh, which, really? um, yeah. I, uh, I made squiggly for a week or two and like played against some friends and learned how to do some basic combos and didn't quite get to the level where I could do online play. I did try to uh, play against a friend in that the other day and noticed that I did still have the combos. And now oh, I also right. cannot play casually because I'm too good for that. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty Gear overall, from what I know, has a lot more of a certain kind of complexity. Skullgirls is a lot of dialing in long combos and getting a sense of really extravagant, ridiculous super moves, whereas Guilty Gear is a little bit more grounded in reality, not much. And Bridget is the reason why, from what I've gathered, a lot of people are picking up the game. It's certainly why people have been talking about the game for the past few weeks. I don't know how accurate the statistics are, but I saw somewhere that apparently the launch of Bridget brought more players into the game than the launch of the game. Really? <laughs> yes. And I'm so curious about that. So Bridget, for people who don't know, is trans and actually says so in the game just says i'm yes. a girl and people are like well they can't argue with that and of course people argued with it but but <laughs> most <laughs> folks couldn't in good faith find an argument that made any sense because i i don't think just... that people who would argue against it are very used to arguing in good faith <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, there, there that's is true too. a certain type of guy that is. Although to be fair, there there are um, there were two I think minor. I don't even know if I can call them backlashes, but like gripes with the character that I think are actually really reasonable. Hmm. First off, um, I think none of the voice actors for Bridget are trans, hmm. which is um, a shame considering that an earlier character, uh, Testament, I think, mm -hmm. uh, was non-binary and had either non-binary non or trans or a queer voice actors, at mm -hmm. least, like a queer VA in the English version that I know of. Though, to be fair, the I think the current English uh, voice actress for Bridget um, does do a good job and does um, has actually 
spoken up in favor of uh, affirmative like casting action mm -hmm. on social media, which is still a bit of a shame that they didn't repeat the uh, what they did with Testament, but it I can see it's happening as well. Sure, maybe in the future, maybe you. <sighs> I doubt that. Although I did, I did voice a meme for her. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to make sure to share that in this mm -hmm. this episode. Oh, was, it was adorable. What was the the other issue with Bridget? Um, well, her her being trans also means that she's um, her gimmick is no longer being a cross dressing boy or or being gender ambiguous. Which you know, if you are uh, if you're if you are a guy who who likes cross dressing or if you if your gender is still in a state of flux or something, then you'll have also lost a piece of representation in a way. I mean, it's, it's still going to another very underserved file, but I can still see be people being bummed out about it on some level. Yeah, it is. It is not unfair. I just want to know what the creators of the game came up with and what they wanted to express. That's what I'm always most excited about. There are not a lot of bald, middle-aged men in video games. I think there's Sagat mm. and uh, the guy from Devil's Third. That didn't work out. And oh. <laughs> so representation is sort of once you're old anyway, <laughs> it's not going to probably happen regardless. There, you Usually if a character is going to be old in a fighting game, they're either going to be secretly a million years old, which <laughs> usually means that they're 12, or they're going to be just... just Comically geriatric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 we are not the target audience, those of us who are almost 50 or even over 50. Maybe that'll change, but mm. sort of regardless. I don't mean to make it so much about me. I guess I don't relate as well with someone who sees a character who's already in a marginalized group have their character evolve so they I, I guess are technically now in a different marginalized group and have well, that, that is um I think that is something that's very interesting about Bridget. I think mostly around the uh, the early 2000s, like the 90s, they were more allowed or, or more, it was more common in Japanese media than in um, Western media to just have like queer characters in, in shows that are, were more aimed at teens or kids. Mm. But usually their queerness would be sort of a wrestling gimmick. Or, you know, they, they would be like background characters who, who are sort of cartoonishly gay and that would get censored for for equally shitty reasons overseas. You uh, mean like like a wrestling gimmick like gold dust or or huh. I guess to... like uh, like the wrestling ballerina. Oh, his name I forget. But but also, I mean, just just not necessarily a wrestling wrestling gimmick, but just as like, you know, if you're going to have a very minor character and you want to make them stand out, then you have to just make them a lot of one thing. Ah, I see. And, and that one thing can then be, you know, just, just them being trans or something. Right, right, right. Interesting. So you get like these background characters or, or these these like supporting characters that are just cartoonishly queer just to stand out or like to be comedic or something like that. And I think Bridget sort of originally falls into that category because, mm -hmm. you know, she was originally generally a, uh, hey, what, what if we have this nun who uses yo-yos? Maybe they went like, oh, it doesn't quite stand out enough. You know what? Let, let, let's make her secretly a boy. And then that's that that fulfills the minimum gimmick quota. <laughs> <laughs> because Guilty Gear is... If I remember correctly, made by 
teams who had worked on Capcom games and I think also mm -hmm. SNK games in the past. So they are iterating not be on an iteration. Because like extremely high quality sprite work, I doubt that that is a talent pool that has ever been too deep. Yeah, that's Because right. it just, it requires a lot of practice. You need a lot to be able to do it right. Oh, absolutely. And passion to continue to do that kind of art, even when Tekken and Mortal Kombat and all these other games are forgoing sprite work completely mm -hmm. and doing super well. I would like to bring this back to, uh, <laughs> to Bridget being a really interesting case, I think, of one of those characters who are like a secondary character who uh, were queer as sort of a as their gimmick or, or like the thing that was special about them with the way they added dialogue and all that it's um she's being reevaluated and she still has uh the same journey or or her her characterization is sort of builds forth on that but it's takes her queerness at much more of a face value and it uh, it takes her seriously mm. and gives her an authentic voice of her own. They're taking this this sort of old, somewhat queerphobic trope and bring it around. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it seems like it is starting off and, and correct me if I'm understanding you wrong, but my sense is that Bridget impressed you less when it was none with a yo-yo who is secretly a boy. And when I first learned about Bridget, it was a lot of people saying, you know, Bridget is a trap and Bridget, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It, was, it had a, it a kind of an unsavory. It, it doesn't help that she was adopted by 4chan, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> and now Bridget has been taken from 4chan, I think, mm -hmm. and, and given more to the the actual yes she, she is she is now a trans girl which according to 4chan is not okay because that makes them gay for <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i'm not super familiar with 4chan it's hard for me to know mm -hmm. if 4chan is a person place or thing or all of the all of the above because it, it has hive mind elements but i have to imagine there's independent thinking there somewhere i've just never seen it i've always seen just like a race to the bottom of just the the meanest or grossest thing you can come up with oh i think i've looked at it once or twice like ages ago um but it, it's definitely mostly developed a, a reputation as a uh, as a place that drags people rightwards <laughs> so not amazing in that regard sure sure so shame. bridget's re Reclamation being reclaimed by the queer community as a open and searching but confident trans girl. Is that part of or is that most of why you think Bridget has made such a splash and has gotten people willing to play Guilty Gear who, as you said, testament non-binary character. It's not the first queer character or the first gender non-conforming unquotes character mm -hmm. and people weren't buying the game just for testament but bridget has really brought them in do you think it's because of this pushing the narrative pushing the story of bridget forward towards that sort of self-acceptance and outness of being trans that's a good question i do think that testament also brought a, a pretty hefty spike of uh, players along with them 
I think it definitely helps Bridget's case that that whole adopting of her by people who are into, well, quote unquote, traps, which is an awful phrase that yeah. <laughs> let, let's not get into that. Basically, that 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 swing around and, and her modest amount of cloud from being a pre-existing character, which I don't think Testament is. Hmm. So I, I think that's allowed her to make a bigger splash than some of them. And also, you know, I feel like a lot of this is inherently arbitrary. Like you can tweak things to improve your chances, but the most banal things become memes. So, mm. Like, <laughs> yeah, things can't. taking off on the internet are like there, there's always, I think, a degree of uh, it's always going to be arbitrary to some degree. Yeah, I think in retrospect, you can often see the reason it's Morbin time got big was because people wanted to mock XYZ thing. They're sick of superhero movies, and this is one that was really low-hanging fruit to make fun of or something. But they couldn't have planned that. I don't think the, the Morbius team could have said, let's make a movie that's so bad that people make fun of it and then talk about it. And still no one saw it. I mean, uh, I'm way out of a tangent now, but I'm agreeing with you 100% that well, they couldn't I, have I think planned. In a you. sense, they tried to capitalize on it and, and relaunch the movie. I, I think we can all agree that it's incredibly funny that no one went out to see it. <laughs> and that, um, you know, as they say, less is more. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But with Bridget, more open and direct trans representation was the way to go. And it makes me wonder if this is probably the last question I have for you on the topic, unfortunately, because mm -hmm. we're running low on time. But I, I'm still in shock that trans representation helped sell a fighting game. This is not what people expected. If they did, we'd probably have a lot more trans characters in fighting games. And if that's the direction it goes in, if people start actually, can't believe I'm using this word, if they start pandering to people who want to play as trans characters in games and just packing them filled with trans characters in order to sell copies, how will you feel about that? Oh... I mean, it would depend somewhat on how they do it, but I, I could hardly imagine that being like a negative experience because representation has been very lacking in the past. Yeah. I, I guess for, for one thing, it would depend a little bit on how they go about it because yeah. I, I would love to see more opportunities for, well, as a trans voiceover artist, <laughs> I would love to see more opportunities for trans people in voiceover. Mm. And I see a lot of people saying that um, the assigned gender at birth of the of the voice actor should not matter, that it's a role you're playing, which if we already had an equal playing field, mm -hmm. I think those arguments would have merit, but we don't. And a lot of casting, and I'm going to get on a soapbox for a little bit here. Sure. <laughs> when people are casting, they will often end up having a certain role in mind or a certain sound in mind or a certain affectation in mind. And if you fit those expectations, your chances of getting the role will be astronomically higher. And those expectations are based on an existing media landscape. For people who have not historically been represented to start getting that representation is always an uphill battle. And I think that is why we need affirmative action for 
all kinds of marginalized communities, and that includes trans people, which is why I think it's very important to go about that responsibly in 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 that dream scenario in which fighting games ju- just you know all get 5g connection and everyone becomes trans <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh it's got to help people in real life for it to truly live up to the promise of representation i think um that brings us to the important question yeah of the crossover because I think for Street Fighter, if you trans Ryu, then an obvious way to go would be Ryugo, because Ryu is already a Japanese name, and you can just, you know, add Ko to the end of it, which usually makes things into girls' names, and it, it works for the name Ryu. Wait, Do you wait, think are we Ken suddenly talking Barbie? about Ryu being trans? I'm, I'm talking about every fighting game, the character being trans. <laughs> That's great. Well, Do you think they would change Ken's name to Barbie? <laughs> Or would they get in legal trouble? <laughs> that is a great question. I like to think they could get away with it. They got away with just mm-hmm. putting Mike Tyson and Bruce Lee in those games. And they did not this use their true. literal names. But it's very, very clear that it's, I mean, you probably know this. They changed M, M, Mike Tyson to M. Bison and then just mm-hmm. hoped he wouldn't notice when they gave M. Bison's name to Vega. Because he was originally Vega, right? Yeah, that's right. So they just switched the names. Or they didn't come up with a new name. They're just like, uh, just yep, change that part of the codes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild. <laughs> and Mike Tyson didn't even notice until I think fairly yeah. recently um, that they did that. He was I like, think hey, I'm going to be very, yeah, very biased on that front because while I do like what we call Vega, um, I, I think Bison is all right. He's like a burly type character, which means I'm probably not going to play him. But he's, yeah, he's got a striking silhouette and all that. Uh, but for for M. Bison himself, like the only incarnation of that character that I really care about is only ever named M. Bison and is Raul Julia's interpretation of him. <laughs> which I don't know about the possibilities of of that character becoming trans at this stage of the game. I mean, I think M. Bison is a body hopper in universe, which I, I guess makes him the most cis character out of all, because he he's tried transplanting himself into all kinds of bodies and has just figured out that this particular super buff male body is like for him. Mm. Yeah, he does like being him, but he is considered being Cammy and oh, all right. the other dolls. Yeah, he wanted to be Cammy for a while, huh? <laughs> he thought about it. I don't think he ever went through with yeah, it. But I don't he, blame him. he and many Capcom fighting characters who have fought Dimitri, you may know this already, Dimitri the vampire from Darkstalkers. Oh, okay, a move okay. called the Midnight Bliss. Oh, right. He has a move every, where he transes your gender. He transes your gender. And people love those woman versions of all Mm. those characters they're just madly in love with them i think an all midnight bliss capcom fighting game would make so much money i think if the character is already a girl or they're or if they're um more of a scrunkly squonkly then he he turns them into some kind of plush animal or something is that right Uh, i think like chun li just gets put in a a dress that's different you're right with with characters that are already women they transform into like womanly women even Mm. more womanly but akuma 
gets giant boobs and yeah. so does um geez i'm blanking on his name the frankenstein guy uh, becomes a oh, real gosh. a real bodacious babe okay is, is that like the um rock monster the, oh like, are like you talking about el raptor el raptor's the zombie who turns oh, okay into... that's distinct from the frankenstein <laughs> distinct from okay. the frankenstein and the yeti and the merman it's quite a geez maybe one of the things we can talk about next time because i'd love mm -hmm. to have you back on is your interpretation of those midnight bliss characters and i'll i'll send you a link i wish i could send you the game if you have a switch i could send you the Darkstalkers collection to to borrow for a year no wait oh. i don't have it on a card darn it i'll figure something oh. out I don't currently have a switch. I'll yeah, find a way. do most of my gaming on my laptop. It's on there somewhere. I'll find a way. Hmm. Iris, is there anything else you want to plug on the show before you go? Oh, yeah, I, I, I have a couple of projects I'm working on. I don't know. I think it's probably all right for me to talk about them, but I'd better not just to be a professional. Sure. A secretive professional to the end yeah. but they can follow you on twitter to maybe find out about those things it's true if you ever listened to a previous episode of this um forget everything you heard it's no longer that it's now at iris vvo at Let's iris do these because that's my initials coupled with vo at iris vvo it's got a beautiful ring to it iris thanks so much for being on the show yeah thanks for having me i um i hope you have a lovely rest of your not evening. I was going to say evening, but that's me. Uh, afternoon first. You too. Thanks, Iris. That is all we're going to hear from Iris right now. So wonderful to have Iris formally described as Pear. Pear is a nickname. Iris is her real name. And so nice to hear her voice. We had to struggle with the sound on that one a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if Iris knew while we were recording, but this thing happens sometimes where if my microphone plug is a little loose, a little little sloppy in the slot, it'll... <laughs> I don't know how it does that, it, though. It hasn't done it in like a year. I know. You remember the last time. It makes me smile so big when it happens because... You're so earnest and and yet also sounds slightly ridiculous. Well, the Guilty Gears, good <laughs> representation. Yeah, yeah and we could really... have pitch shifted the whole thing up, but Ugh. then Iris would have sounded like a chipmunk, so we didn't want to do well, that. Well, Iris has a lovely, smooth, dulcet register, so yeah. if you pitched it up even further, it would be like... Yeah, it would be squeaky, and we didn't want to do injustice to Iris, so instead we... It makes tolerated me smile. my flops. It my, makes me smile. Well, that's when that happens. That's uh, good to hear, and hopefully the listeners are okay with it too. Episode fifty. Fifty. Going strong with these continued technical hijinks, and back to video games and motivation. Another thing that came out that I thought was interesting that made me think a lot about the industry as a whole was the number of million sellers published by Nintendo for the Nintendo Switch. Have you ever thought about that, Tanya? The number of million, million sellers? sellers? Games that have sold a million oh, copies. Oh, okay. Games that have sold a million or over. That are published by Nintendo yes. themselves. Okay. So this is Nintendo being like, look at how many times we sold a game. So, humble brag. It's a it's a unhumble just a brag. brag. Just a straight up brag. How many how many other games do you think sold over a million copies? Is this over this is for just Nintendo Switch, not for all-time Nintendo. That's right. 
Nintendo Switch is how many years old? Mm, it's heading into the fifth six, year, I think. Yeah. Five, six. Okay. Maybe six. Yeah. Okay. So let's think about. Uh, there's gotta be. I don't know. Fifty. Uh, Great guess. I think, if I remember correctly, because I don't have the numbers in front of me, it is fifty-five. Wow. Just kind of. A I lot. did. I did some quick scratch math in my head, and I thought there's gotta be at least ten per year. You did fantastic. We're doing about five years, and I thought, what better way to ring in our fiftieth episode <laughs> with fifty? With a yeah. strong guess, but fifty-five. Yeah, I was, fifty-five. I, at least I didn't go over. No, no, no. You were uh, very, very close. Very, very close. And it is an absurdly high number. I don't think their last system, the Wii U, certainly didn't have that many. And I'm not sure that the Wii had that many either. 55 million sellers is a ton. And the top seller, whichever I remember correctly, is in like the 40 million range. So, you know, as wow. almost as much as the rest of the list, um, the bottom of the list combined is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Just Mario Kart again. People love that Mario People Kart. People love that Mario Kart. It's the same Mario Kart that was on their prior system, the Wii U. Hmm. Just with the downloadable content thrown in. Well, when you have the downloadable content, can you like jack up your characters or no. get some special characters? You get some special characters. You get some new tracks. Sweet, sweet jams. <laughs> Nothing like that Katamari soundtrack that I oh, love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, the Katamari Prince was in a kart racer. Oh, I feel like I remember that it was a big deal. Pac-Man Kart World Tour, maybe it was called. But uh, it I... was not a big deal, no. <laughs> so sweet that you oh. thought maybe it was a big deal. I was yeah. one of the few human beings that bought it just for the Katamari Prince as a secret character well, kart racing around. I think part of the, probably part of the appeal of Mario Kart is pulling in the characters that people might love from mm -hmm. other games and being like, whoa, they got... They, you know? they, they, you're absolutely right. This is a wonderful guess. You didn't know this, hmm? but Mario Kart 8 DLC, which was on the Wii U, but then was packed in for the Switch version, was the first to actually do cross-game characters. Mm. Before that was only Mario characters Mario Kart. But then they're like, let's put Link in there and he'll ride a motorcycle. Let's put the cute little dog who's named after a bag of money from Animal Crossing in there. Let's, uh, I think that's it, actually. <laughs> and a couple of other, uh, no, wait, the, the Inklings, the squid children oh, yeah. from Splatoon are in there and there's an F-Zero track. But it's not like a massive crossover by any means. It's a very small part of the overall package. The fact of the matter is... I'm thinking of Super Smash Brothers. You're thinking of Smash Brothers, which is fairly far down on the million seller list. Number one, if I remember correctly, Mario Kart. Number two, Animal Crossing, which was not the talk of the town when it first came out. It was way down there. I remember mm, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, I believe, had just come out around when the first Animal Crossing came out. And there was no question as to what was the one who was going to sell... 20 million copies. It was not Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing sold like three or something tops, whereas Grand Theft Auto was the, the big cheese. But not anymore. Animal Crossing was like 30 million or something. Jeez. Then under that was Smash Brothers, and I think under that was Zelda. A lot of Wii U games on there. Long story short, mm -hmm. none of those games have realistic graphics. I think the only one with like realistic graphics is Bayonetta 2, which is way down there. Astral Chain, I guess you could argue. But those were only selling like a little over a million. The 400 million seller friggin' Mario Kart 
yeah. essentially looks like a GameCube game. Just a prettier, better lighting, less rough around the edges, but not substantially different art style than games that were around about 15, 20 years ago. Wow. Whereas if you look at what the top sellers on the PS4 are, number one, God of War, sort of a reboot of that series. 19 million. That's it. Less than friggin' Animal Crossing, less than Mario Kart, less than Smash Brothers. People want like cute, fun things that don't make them feel worse. So what motivates people to keep making the gods of war and the last of us, the last of them, they're, they're, they're so much more expensive the, to make. And the Forspokens. And the Forspokens. So much more money that you have to pour into making a game with realistic wrinkles and nipple textures and body hair and all the mocap and the voice you know, acting. It, it, and it the... does feel sort of antiquated to me, too, because like you think back, the Lord of the Rings movies, it was all about making something like a fantasy as real as humanly possible. Yeah. And we're just not seeing that shit come out in movies anymore. No, no. People figured out that that was sort of boring and a waste of time and not all that appealing to your average person, your average human being. Wants either crime or escape in a fantasy world. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And there's kids and there's grownups. Kids don't care about realism because they're impressed and even prefer simple cartoon characters. My son, bored as heck with the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, loves Guardians of the Galaxy Lego cartoon. Loves it, watch it over and over and over again. Adults, if they are in a space where they're not trying to be convinced that their video game is real because, frankly, for a lot of grownups, you're not gonna ever believe a video game is real, so don't even bother, just make it interesting, expressive, fun to look at. So they'd rather play Fortnite or Overwatch or or Mario Kart or Animal Crossing. Those are games that are played by a lot of grown-ups. There's a lot of reading in those games. It's not really for for kids who aren't going to be able to read as well. It's for grown-ups who just want to chill out and be in a fun to look at, simple, interesting place. They don't want to be impressed. So why do they keep making impressive graphics yeah, why do they try to do the magic trick? We we know that the rabbit that is not really done. coming out of the hat. We, right. we, we know it's not real. We're impressed that you can do it, but we no longer care do if something, you do it. Yeah, do something with it. If you spend so much time on the graphics and the design elements, something is going to suffer, and oftentimes it's the storyline mm. or the feel, the emotion behind it. Oh, sure. That's how I feel about it. Well, yeah, I don't see myself when I look at a realistic human face in The Last of Us or God of War or something. I don't think, oh, that's me running around with that gun or that axe or I'm that boy with the gruff dad or something. You don't know what God of War is about, but it's about (laughs) a gruff dad and and a son who he just calls boy. Boy, you know. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. Much deeper voice, actually. Boy. Boy. But that's not even like... That guy sucks. I don't want to hang out with that guy. I know a yeah. lot of people who loves those games. And I'm like, tell me what your dad was like. And they're like, uh, he was drunk and mad <laughs> and sad. And I wish we had a relationship because I loved him and he loved me, but he just couldn't do feelings. I'm like, I get it now. So God of War is great for working out 
that kind of stuff with your own dad. But as a dad, I just look at that guy and be like, you're a shitty dad. I don't want to be you. Yeah, and, not, and I don't want to hang out with you. Oh, on no. A- He's got a beard and he never wears a shirt and he's... People can do that in real life. I they know. can hang out with shitty dads all day. I don't want to see Jonathan, my... Jonathan, you just got to go to the park. You'll be surrounded <laughs> by shitty dads. Yeah. And they'll have their shirts on. They won't have to think about their bodies. I don't like thinking about my own body, let alone another dad's body that's like my body, except a little different. Just got white paint on it. But anyway, that's a whole other story. It's not escapism is my point. Realism does not lend itself to escapism for me. I want expressive Spider-Verse looking stuff or Splatoon or just get me out of this real life. If I'm going to escape, give me some color, some fun, some brightness, lightness, expressiveness, Katamari we talked about. Oh, I love Katamari. All that kind of stuff. I eat it up. Speaking of which, when I went to Universal Studios years back... I did, I don't know, I think it might have even been like the Hulk roller coaster where it catapults you up into the sky. And I did, you know, some couple other rides. But my favorite ride was actually the Spider-Man ride, which was a combination indoor sort of coaster, but also a video. Um, it was like a combo ride. You're in a car or like in a thing. Yeah. And it portrayed like animation around you so oh, when yeah. you moved it felt like you were in real animation it yeah. was extremely fun and really exhilarating oh that's great it was my favorite ride i'd yeah. love to hear if other listeners have been on the spider-man ride and if they loved it as much <laughs> as me because i really loved it i was like that was the best ever oh that's fun yeah yeah it was enhanced reality. It kept you in reality, but then... You moved around just enough. It was really the being immersed in the animation and right. like taking me away from reality. Whereas the Hulk ride was just like, oh, you're going to blast up high and it's just a coaster. Uh-huh. Being able to be sort of immersed in the in the art yeah, yeah, re- yeah. was really fun. And I think that's what you love about video games. Like being immersed in the art of the, the creator yeah. and being pulled away from the real world for yeah. a little while. and being in their world, being in their brain, and finding out what their motivations were. And when I play the games that are most technically impressive these days, I often feel like the motivation was to kind of just show off the technical skill and to try to be like a movie. It's a little bit like how, geez, Martin Scorsese, great filmmaker, he gets mad that the most popular movies these days are like roller coaster rides, like mm. the Spider-Man ride you're saying. It's not real It's not real filmmaking. It doesn't whisk you away to real life. It doesn't make you feel like you're with real people. And that's what his films were always about, trying to get that emotional realism and technical realism to try to make you feel as though you were looking at a real person and not just an actor. But uh, I don't care about your interpretation of reality, Martin Scorsese. I want to be whisked away on the roller coaster. Leave me alone. And that's how I feel about video games, too. And I wonder how whisked Gretchen is at this point, after having quit the show, just said, I love you, but I gotta go. This is not for me to talk about video games anymore. Then she's like, you know what? I'm back. I need to be back. I need to talk about video games again. And boy, did she ever. We were running out of time on the Zoom call. I know. Gretchen. We gotta wrap it. We gotta up. wrap it Gretchen. up. She, she she was overflowing with wonderful excitement, understanding the motivations of none other than than Sega. 
the world-renowned video game. Oh, yeah. Publisher and So developer. much Sega knowledge. We're going to talk about Sega with Gretchen right now. Video games are trash, but I love them because they're trash. So I'm back again with Gretchen. Wasn't sure this day would ever come. And here it is. You've decided to return to the Talking to Women About Video Games podcast. Gretchen, thanks so much for being back. I'm happy to be back, first off. But the two things happened was, one, I, I dealt with um, some general anxiety stuff going on. I got the that under control. Oh, great. But what really got me was like, oh, wait, I could actually write about something that, that matters in more of an abstract way. Um, well, abstract and concrete, interestingly. What really triggered this for me was I just gone down a rabbit hole of reading about like Sega and Sega properties and stuff. I discovered that actually I do kind of like video games, but I like old video games that aren't very good. For, for people uh, who don't know about our email exchanges, I would say maybe over the past two or three weeks, and, and no one knows about our email exchanges, I should say. Oh. So only, only you and I do. <laughs> I don't share them. It wouldn't be I right. <laughs> but you would write to me and say, playing Dragon Guard, so bad. I love it. It's garbage. It's great. What is up with God Hand? It is junk. It is beautiful. And then you would talk about more polished games with disgust. And that built up to eventually you saying, and what's going on with Sega? And I I, I don't know. I want to know. <laughs> what's going on with Sega? I was basically, I was ranting at you, like being frustrated that I that I did leave like talking about things or planning on writing about things yeah. because it's just like, I, I, I want to be able to do this. I don't know what to do it about. I don't think people care about my opinions. And then I was like, wait a minute. I don't need to talk about opinions because I'd gotten onto the Sega thing. And what I was doing was like, wait, everything Sega has ever done has been insane. <laughs> like everything after they were just, it started out as Americans, in Japan, importing arcade games oh. to Japan, which seems pretty counterintuitive nowadays and also unexpected. But actually, uh, the biggest thing Sega is known for in Japan is their arcades. Mm -hmm. If you say, I'm going to go to the arcade, uh, which is a thing you say in Japan, mm -hmm. interestingly, you um, were probably going to go to a Sega arcade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember there was a big Sega arcade, I think, in Akihabara? Is that a place? There's probably a bunch of Sega arcades in Akihabara. Yeah, and it closed and people acted like... What? Which what? Yeah, one of them closed and people acted like... Well, there like, was like one that was like three floors tall. Yeah, I think it was this. It was a massive one. I, I will have to look up the details. Forgive my foggy memory. It was but too I, big and too loud. I, I went in there once and it was just over it. Yeah, overstimulating, but a landmark. And when this place uh -huh. closed, people acted like a celebrity died. People acted like Prince died or something. They were they were crying. They were they were outside holding a vigil for this place just filled with arcade cabinets. In I want to guess this was two or three years ago, a time when uh -huh. you can play most of those video games some other way you don't need to go to the arcade anymore to get that high-end video game experience and yet they mourned the arcade sega had such an effect on them with the arcades as you're saying and i didn't realize that's how it started and that already was weird but you're telling me it continued to be weird with sega well they they decided to enter the console market by putting out a console made of off-the-shelf parts 
And they did that over and over again until they got to the Sega Saturn, which is insane on the inside. If you look at the thing, it's banana sandwiches. They could have beat the, the PlayStation if they'd waited like a little longer and not done a few things. PlayStation 2 is insane on the inside too, but that's but in a more of a like a console hardware. Sure, crazy. sure. It's got a lot but going on. Yeah. It was before things were just like, oh, here's a computer in a box. And it, we put a game company logo on the front and now it's a game system. Anyway. Yeah, it was really its own unique bizarre piece of hardware and if i remember correctly the sega saturn was announced not long before it was released i'm vaguely remembering it like almost being at the same time they rushed that thing to market and it was overbuilt and everything it was it was like the playstation 3 it was a whole launch disaster it's so hilarious yeah, it how cost well like that 400 dollars, but this was back in like 1990 seven or something 98 maybe i i had the saturn it's, it was really cool system what it did was really cool but it was also bizarre it mm. did 3d by wrapping sprites around each other and <laughs> it was not really 3d it was 2d that was like mode 7 to mode 77 mode 69 yeah. or whatever <laughs> yes yes that's exactly right it was like the best super nintendo 3d ever it wasn't traditional polygon based stuff and there's saturn games like panzer dragoon saga that i bought at launch very sure that i was going to love it and i did that will never be ported anywhere because it's made for a thing that is truly unlike anything else they then, still haven't emulated it properly the, the the only homebrew saturn things that i was able to find because i was just curious if they existed is like some weird text adventure thing that barely runs because <laughs> like, nobody's nobody wants to try and bother with that yeah it uses fm synthesis to create other instruments with like wave samples it's i can't even fully understand what the sound chip's doing wow i know a little bit about programming i've spent forever understanding music equipment and audio stuff and i still don't understand what's going on with that chip I've, I've spent like an afternoon reading the specs on it and going over it and over it and going why would you do this <laughs> and it has such a unique sound there's something to me about sega sound in general that really resonates of course they well, it's generating it it's not it's not sample based they used synthesis they generated the sounds in there because they get they came from uh, arcade mm. they made the the dreamcast and they ran the dreamcast era like it was an arcade machine they mm. were selling the systems and the games at a loss like they're gonna make it up in quarters like what are you doing <laughs> everything that they produce game wise seems to be a passion project mm. like the yakuza games are I think the fact that they're successful is why they have a budget. I mm. think they'd be making them and they'd be just as insane, even if they didn't make money. Sonic mm. games. What? How are Sonic games profitable? They have to be. Yeah. Do they? I don't know. 
Nobody <laughs> likes them. Sega doesn't like them. They put them out and then they like they removed a bunch of them from storefronts because like, oh, these didn't get good ratings. People don't like it. But we, we need to like uh, not have this is hurting the brand. And I'm like, this is the brand. <laughs> this is the brand. The brand is janky, weird nonsense. The last time they made a good game, they hired fan people to make Sonic Maniacs. Yeah, that's right. That's just that's just Sonic 3 on cocaine. It doesn't. <laughs> It's not that new. It's good, but it's it's no one could say that is a bold new direction for Sonic other than it is good, which is different than and boy, does Sonic fans get mad when I say this. I'm so glad we can bond over this because well, I mean, I, the thing is, the reason Sonic fans like Sonic games is not the game. It's the Sonic. Yes. And that's fine. Hmm. I think that there is a lot that is genuinely good in Dragon Guard. It's just underneath the ugly, disgusting, shitty gameplay <laughs> that I've sure. been playing it for. Like, I actually, I've restarted multiple times recently because I was losing my save files, but I didn't oh. mind because I was actually playing it for the frustrating, deliberate, oops, I pushed the button slightly too late and now I'm fucked gameplay. Like, I'm playing Ninja Gaiden for the NES. Oh, that's a for those that, who don't that's know. That's an overrated. That's a game that is actually busted and janky. But like, that's that's what I'm talking about. That yeah. game is great, and it's trash. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not fair. It's not great. It's glitchy. It's dumb. It's insane, and I love it. It's great. Yeah, like, I thought, that's the it's, thing. It's, it's like, weird that you, you would bring it up because I was just thinking about but, how whisked away I was by the the cutscenes in Ninja Gaiden, and then just plopped into. The least fair, most hostile, just a bird or a oh, small, small man with a baseball bat just touches you and you boo and you just fall in the water and die over and over and over again. When something makes Castlevania 3 seem fair, <laughs> you got to be old to get these references, folks, but it's all true. And Sonic. But, oh, yeah. Sonic is just one thing. I understand. Do I understand it? I get it, but I don't understand it. I mean, I understand why it's successful, but I don't understand why that is. Sonic fans like Sonic. They like Sonic stuff. They like the Sonic characters. They care about the story and the world. I don't know how, but that's not for me to know. That's up to them. They are entitled to that opinion. I'm amazed that they love it enough to put up with that gameplay, but... Yoko Taro got to um, how many games before the he ended up with good gameplay? Yeah, and, and a lot of his good gameplay, from what I know, is working collaboration with Platinum or something. Oh yeah, else Platinum like that. is where it's at. Like Platinum did the goodness. Yeah, they did the goodness. But the first years got its charm, and in fact, the improvements in gameplay. Let's not talk about good games. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to bring I it back really... to the Saturn. Another thing about the Saturn that is mind-blowing when it comes to mistakes. There's no Sonic game on there. They, they couldn't make anything new for it. They had how many systems out at the time? They had the, the, the Genesis, then they had the Sega CD, which was also kind of the Genesis. You had to have that to get that. And then you have the 32X, and there's also 32X CD games. True. Then they also had the Saturn. The Game Gear the, on the, like, on the, on the like, Yeah, the Game market. Gear, all yeah. of that at the same time. And then they also came out with a portable Genesis that lasted about two hours. Oh, the Nomad. I have one of those. Yeah, it's, I it's had one of those. Treat. Yeah, they're not bad. But they made Knights. Yuji Naka made Knights. Oh, it's that's a, really good. I really that's love a good Knights. game. It's yeah. not a great game. It's a very, very good game. Like It's not high art. 
but it is art. It's not amazing gameplay, but it's really nice gameplay. It, it's extremely it's a pleasant. solid video game. It is not a game people play for the mascot character. It is not. It doesn't have that Sonic. I'll play it as long as Sonic's in it appeal. But the Sonic is in it, as you probably know, and at least in the Christmas Nights version I used to play that they gave away literally for free. So I just played only Christmas Nights for like a year. Uh, You can unlock Sonic in it. And I'm like, this could be a pretty good Sonic game. But then they didn't make any other Sonic games for the for the Saturn, just a free Sonic mode. Team Sonic couldn't they wouldn't let Team Sonic use that engine. They wanted to. What? So they had to try and make their own engine. And by the time they did that, the Saturn was dead. They're the same company. They could have just said to make a make a profitable game. Empire for... building. Empire building. Sega's insane. Sega did a game at the end of the, the Dreamcast life cycle about how Sega was a failing company. <laughs> What's that game called? What? Sega Gaga. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've heard of it. Did, did that come out in the United States? Uh, no. Like I think there's a fan translation. Yeah. I don't I don't know. They got approved. They're like, oh, this is a joke. What are you doing bringing this for approval? And then it's like, no, I'm serious. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they just made it. <laughs> wow. I will have to look more <laughs> deeply into that. I but the, no, no, the ring, the thing that I really, I, I genuinely need to look into and write about, like I need to double down and learning a whole bunch of industry jargon in Japanese because I want to know the story with the Shining series developers. Oh. I need to know. They made Shining in the Darkness, mm. like the best dungeon crawler on you know a home console before the PlayStation. Yeah. And even then, I don't know how many first-person dungeon crawlers were on the PlayStations that are of note. Kingsfield, that's yeah, a nightmare. Wasn't a, wasn't a big, you know, the first-person... Was big with no. the shooters, less with the dungeon crawlers then. Yeah. And then, then, then you had Shining Force Two. No, Shining Force and Shining Force Two strategy RPGs. And then, like those were just hugely lauded. Then they had the the Shining Force Guidance series for Game Gear, which was then ported to the Sega CD as Shining Force CD, and it was seen as one of the best Sega CD games. Again, these are all strategy RPGs. And then you get shining the holy ark for the saturn and people are kind of eh, on that and then they came out with another one for the saturn that's just like a zelda clone and no one liked it and then they just went to another one that changed the gameplay style again on saturn or is that up to dreamcast now it was either dreamcast or by then they moved on to the playstation 2 and they keep changing the gameplay no one likes them no one they get bad to mediocre ratings ever since like Shining Force CD mm. and they keep making them. They have a linear storyline. They follow a storyline. Each game continues a plot line. You have to play like, all those Shining games across all those consoles to get the full story? Wow. And like, and, and again, the, the one that's kind of a Zelda clone, no one liked it at the time. Shining fans like are just like, what? what? It's not an RPG. It's, it's not, you're playing one character. It's not a big, huge team of people shining fans there's these fans i I guess they have to even if there aren't that's (laughs) that's no more that's more amazing if yeah if genuinely there isn't if sega's just putting these out because they can Mm. i played the demo of the latest one and they seem to be trying to 
there's no shortage of games with characters female protagonists wear black with white hair now no everybody's jumping on the near train is that what um, shining's up to what's the what is the I, new I shining it was like shining something i don't know what it is i gotta I google think- this this is Shining, Shining Darkness, Shining Force, Shining Force 2, Shining Force CD, Shining the Holy Ark. I can't remember the latest one. I played the demo on PS4 when I turned my PS4 on. I'm reading and, that Vespa is the developer for the new Shining Force game called Shining Force Heroes of Light and Darkness. Oh, just the most another... generic. I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> there was Shining Force Feather. I'm reading about a Nintendo. DS game, Shining Force Cross in arcades. <laughs> what? Why did they make those Shinings? They're just Shining on and on. Shining Force Resurrection of the Dark Dragon was a GBA game. The remake of Shining Force 3. Shining Resonance Refrain is a game that's on Switch. Yeah, yeah there's a zillion million games. No one cares <laughs> about them anymore. And they keep making them. And yeah, and they they don't seem to give them a lot of resources, but they keep making them. I'm amazed. Oh my god, look at the list of. I'm I'm just on the Wikipedia page to make sure I'm not going crazy. Camelot uh, Software Planning, uh, Climax Entertainment, Grasshopper Manufacture, Next Tech, Amusement Vision, Neverland, Flight Plan, Studio Saizensen, which doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Yeah, and Media Dot Vision. These are all extremely different developers. Yes, they got this Grasshopper ex- in there to make yeah. Shining something. Wow, yeah. You, you Google Shining, you find out that websites are ranking the worst to best Shining game. All sorts of, oh, Shining goes mobile. There's shining. Oh, wait, no, there was a reboot. There's Yeah. That's part of it. They did a re they rebooted that and no, they... the question is is anyone playing these shining games is there any I, reason i don't know i want to <laughs> i want to know why they keep making them there has to be love there i don't yes. know if it's love from the outside or just from within the people that make sonic games seem to really think that they're making something great every time they do even the game that uh sonic forces where it is just fan service. They were so confident. Make your own character. It's going to be a whole new world of Sonic. It's going to it's going to finally be the Sonic game that lives up to the character's popularity. It's going to be And a then game it's of- like 3 hours long and it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's completely insane. Like Sonic <laughs> dies at the beginning, but then he's not dead. But then- <laughs> everyone hated it. Yeah. Uh so the the Sonic games they know we're going to sell no matter what, because Sonic is such a popular character. The Shining games are the opposite, and yet they still make them. That is such a puzzle. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, six games for the Saturn. How? What? How did they do this? <laughs> 1995 <laughs> to 1998, they released... Wait, No. Three of them are Shining Force 3. Shining Force <laughs> Scenario 1. Shining no Force Sonic games on the Saturn. Two. Zero percent Sonic games. <laughs> Sonic 3D Blast, I think they were working on, then canceled it. They didn't cancel those three versions of Shining Force 3 for the Saturn you're telling me about. And then but three, there's, the, there's three parts. They released <laughs> they released DLC for a CD only offline system. So they did <laughs> they did part Shining Force 3 part two and part three. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, <laughs> Shining Force Three Premium Disc. What is going <laughs> on? What's happening? Shining Soul, Shining Soul, to Shining Tears. That doesn't sound pleasant. No, that doesn't sound like. And these games were not cheap. They were, we're talking a seventy dollar purchase. You're not going to rent these anywhere. No blockbuster is going to be caught dead using they made shelf mobile space. games. Yeah, Japan only. Like they they just keep doing. The list of games is huge. A lot of shining it's games. Huge. Yeah, it's insane. Blade Arcus Rebellion from Shining. What? <laughs> What is this Kingdom Hearts nonsense? <laughs> yeah, pre-Kingdom Hearts. I think I think Shining did the ridiculous amount of sequels, ridiculous amount of names, ridiculous amount of parts before even Kingdom Hearts ended up going in that direction. Maybe it was an influence. There's a lot to dig it into here, Gretchen, and you're back. Need to know why. It's you're like back. how, of course, yeah, that, that's... That's just game development. You pass a thing from hand to hand. I want to know who's directing them. I don't know. I want to know how hard they're pitching them. Mm. I want to know everything. I need to know. I need to figure out how to find out how to know. Well, I want you to come back and tell us what you can find out about The Shining after the research is done. You've established with me. Why did they do it? <laughs> You've established Why with me. happening? I like I was writing to friends who don't care about this, going, "What's happening?" <laughs> In the middle of the night, I'm like, just just like they keep releasing. Yeah, so many. Why shinies. are they making more for the Saturn? No one liked the last one. I can't just even remember the name of the into my email. One. Just like all caps. <laughs> Shining. Well, we're gonna find out, and I'm excited to hear about it. For now, we've got to go. Gretchen, thanks so much for coming back and sharing your passion and confusion with the listeners. Oh, yeah. It was just nice to realize, like, oh, I can actually write about facts. <laughs> yeah, it's nice, right? And, when you can and, just... oh, and the best part is, if I'm writing about uh, history, I don't have to play new games or good games. <laughs> I can play heavily disliked Shining games. Godspeed, Gretchen. But not ones for the Saturn, because you can't even emulate that no, system. No, you're not playing that one, though. I might have that in the basement somewhere. I'll look around. I just have a bunch of Saturn games collecting <laughs> dust and mold. To play them. No, you don't. That you don't want to do that. You don't <laughs> want to play bad games just to talk about the bad game. Make I don't care about the game. I care about the fact that nobody likes them. Yeah, and, and digging into that. So many of them. So many. Shinings. I'm so fascinated. Gretchen, I have to. I, I have to stop talking. I, I can tell. I gotta. I gotta, st- I gotta. stop talking to you about it. I don't wanna. But I got a Zoom. Just told us it's gonna hang up on us any second now. Oh st- wow. Okay. It's so serious about not talking about Shining anymore. This Zoom call. But we'll talk about it again, Gretchen. I'm looking forward to it already. All right. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm gonna. That's gonna be a whole job here. I can't wait to see what you do next. People are trash, but I love them because they are trash. Gretchen's such a powerhouse and a playhouse. She's like a roller coaster ride and a bouncy house, a zone, a mental zone you enter with Gretchen. It's one you will never forget and can't fully remember because so much happens. It's that like it's hard a for me stream to... of consciousness. It's wonderful. It's the way I you can immerse yourself in. Oh yeah, I wish I could. 
wish I could be more like Gretchen. She's so thoughtful and passionate and sharp and detail-oriented, remembers these facts. Everything, yes. Oh, yeah. You were, you were like, asking questions. She was, she had the answers, oh, like, yeah. right away. We looked it up afterwards. There's something like, I think, 29 Shining Force games? There's a oh lot of Shining God. Force games. And she was sending me emails and messages, explaining to me more about it as we were going. So there's more to come. If you want to dig into Shining Force with Gretchen, that could be its own friggin' podcast. It could sure. be a, like a 12-episode a, a series podcast. Maybe more. Maybe 29. Gretchen was telling me about a show called This Shouldn't Happen. What was it called? She's She, she couldn't help but explain to me how much she loves a podcast about two guys and a dog playing every Final Fantasy game in numerical order. And she just loves it. And I'm sure it's a great show. I think Gretchen's show about Shining Force would be even better. So we'll see if that can ever spin off and happen. That's yeah. that's my dream. That's what I wish I was listening to. The Shining Gretchen podcast show. As for this show, I think we're going to wrap we up. we wrap this up. Yeah, anything you want to plug on our way out? Just my cat's <laughs> yapper. He keeps meowing throughout oh, yeah. the whole... He barges right in. He just He was just going at it here and there. But no, I'm... I'm excited that we've hit 50, and I also feel like there's lots more to be done and lots more people to meet through this there is. show, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. There's a new guest that might be on soonish who wants to talk about the Trails of Cold Steel series, I think it's called. Hmm. And Kaiju and Tonberry both emailed me like less than 24 hours ago saying like can we be on the 50th episode it's like oh i want to i just don't i didn't think the 50th episode was that big of a deal but it's a big deal to people i should celebrate it harder i mentioned it and you were like i don't even know if i'm gonna talk about it and i was like (laughs) guess guess we're not talking about it then oh of course we're gonna talk about it if you wanted to but uh yeah, it's something that I guess I should be more proud of, being a part of this show for 50 episodes. You're really the leader of the show, Jonathan. You you make this all happen. You bring the people together. You should be proud of yourself for this 50th episode. We're all here rooting for you with it. <laughs> oh, thanks. It's always my dream for the show to turn into women talking about women. Just a show with women talking about women. What's your... <laughs> Taking over the airwaves. I've done it. I've done it. You can't stop me. Nobody can stop me. Except movie theater ushers. They can stop me. They're just doing their jobs. I don't I don't know. But it is I. It is I, the redneck Tonberry. I have arrived onto the podcast whether you want me here or not. I'm also here with Kai. Hey. Hello, Kai. We got some real shit to talk about. So forget whatever you're talking about and fuck what you heard because this is what you're hearing. Everybody who makes video games needs to stop. They need to stop doing it because there's too many. Not only are they all too big, I was talking about that before, there's too damn many of them. People are starting to hate it. By people, you mean you and me? Yeah, us. It's funny that you should say that, because I've been feeling like that with all the indie games that I've been playing lately, too. It's Yeah, now there's even too many of them. 
spoiled for choice is what I would say. What, 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 what is it that they say? Your cup runneth over, and now there's too much in your cup, and it's spilling out all over the table and getting the tablecloth all wet. Exactly. <laughs> Not that I've ever used a tablecloth, mind you. I, I don't see the point. I have a tablecloth. Do you eat it? <laughs> Do I eat my tablecloth? I don't know. I don't know what they're for. <laughs> okay, well, mine is because my table in my kitchen is kind of ugly. So I put the tablecloth <laughs> to hide the ugly table. And it just makes my kitchen look more... But this is completely off what we were talking about two seconds ago. It's true. It's true. We were talking about how there's too many video games. You got to stop making them and unmake some of them, too. Let's just like make it so that some of them don't exist no more. Like how many Soul Calibur games do there really need to be? Any one after the one that had Link in it doesn't matter. I think that was two. There. That How many are there now? 12? 800? Yes. <laughs> I feel like the fighting game franchise makes too many video games. Like all the fighting game franchises. There's a new one every couple of years and it's just kind of the same thing. But I'm not really a big fighting game person. I mean, I used to be once upon a time, back when arcades were so dark that you couldn't see anybody. God, I used I to hang it in them because nobody realized I was two feet tall and green. <laughs> but yeah, what? I absolutely agree that there's too many videos. How do you prioritize your games at that point? You know, I mean, I actually just went to a store today and sold a lot of mine, got rid of them all every now and again. That's what I got to do. I got to I got to look at my backlog and then just just get rid of it. Just wipe the slate completely clean. And that'll help me to, to understand where my priorities really are. Like, do I really want to play Dark Souls three? I don't really want to play Dark Souls three. One Dark Souls was enough. And, and so I just got rid of all my Souls games, except Bloodborne. I'm hanging on to Bloodborne. That one's your favorite? Yeah. It's the best game ever. <laughs> mm. But I'm also really, really happy that there are so many games. Because it means that there are more opportunities for developers and new voices and all that sort of stuff to come in and create their vision so in a lot of ways it's really great but god i need like more than five minutes a day to play a video game you gotta separate the you gotta take the good with the bad i guess you can't just have all the stuff you want and none of the stuff you don't because everybody in the world's looking for the stuff they want and everybody in the world wants different stuff and that's why there's too many video games but then you got the people whose job it is to play video games and talk about video games. I mean, that's not my job. My job is to, is to, anyway, <laughs> my, you got people whose job it is to play video games. You know, your, your, your YouTube creatures and your, your, your stream entities and, and, and the, the, the people who are there to entertain and, and using the medium of video games as they play them, you know, the, the, the Stephanie Sterlings and the, the Conrad's Zimmerman's Zimmerman, the and, Zimmered men of the world. And the Kaijus. 
and the Kaijus. I've seen you play Vigi. I think the only thing I've seen you play, though, is like Stardew Valley. On stream. Yeah. I play Stardew Valley a lot because it's familiar and I can very easily entertain people while I'm playing it. And then I do different stuff on my YouTube channel, too. But it's a lot. It's a lot. And having so many video games to choose from and then trying to pick what I want to play and what I can entertain with and what is also, you know, topical <laughs> or new. What's fashionable. Yeah, fashionable. And, and, and what's fashionable moves a mile a minute. Mm-hmm. Very few games are evergreen mm-hmm. for discussion. I mean, I guess... I guess if you really wanted to be on the, if you really wanted to put your finger on the pulse, you could, I don't know, what's popular to stream these days? That one game about the fork and the knife? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't try to keep up because I can't because it moves so fast and so many of the games that are popular are not the games that I enjoy personally, but trying to keep up with it and trying to keep abreast of uh, what is happening. I was waiting for your... I waited. I was like, I'm going to say this word and Tonberry's going to giggle. But just... Hey, I was trying to restrain myself. I was trying. I was trying. <laughs> polite for once. <laughs> because no I'm here. fucking good deed goes unpunished, I swear. Uh, no I bother. <laughs> well, I appreciate your attempt at politeness. My discretion. Your discretion. But man, I gotta say, I'm burned out. Lots of people are. Right? Like there's too much and, and, and there's the pressure to to all of it. To do all of it. Just, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. damn much. And you can't keep up. I mean, even someone like me, I mean, I live in a hole. I don't care what people people pay attention. Because there's so many veggie games. And, and what people want changes from day to day. Everything moves so fast and it's just constant, unending consumption. And you know what? I'm full. I don't want to consume no more. I don't want to do it. That is, oh my God, that is actually the best metaphor I think you could have possibly used. It's a buffet that never ends. And, 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 and the people cooking are insisting that you try the, all the food. You know, they're like, you know, we got, you got, we got crab here. Try the crab. And you try and tell them, look, I'm fucking allergic to crab. <laughs> but they, 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 don't, they ain't going to hear it. They ain't trying to hear it. They, wanted, they want you to eat the crab anyway. Never mind if it kills you. Never mind if your stomach's full. Never mind if you're like me and don't even have a mouth in the first place. Everybody's stomachs are full. They got to stop cooking and maybe make, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this. <laughs> so then- I hijacked the podcast because I thought it was important to tell people to stop making video games. And then think about it from the creator standpoint. There's all the pressure to do every single social media Make content, make it for Instagram, make it for TikTok. You got to stream, you got to stick to your schedule. Plus you have to keep up with your trends and you got to do all of the things and then edit and market. I figured out what we can do. What can we do? Let's get like a hammer, (laughs) right? Let's get a big old hammer 
and we go to wherever Twitter is <laughs> and we hit Twitter with a hammer so there ain't no more Twitter. So are you suggesting, Tonberry, that we get a ban hammer? No. <laughs> I'm suggesting we get a sledge hammer. Oh, I see. <laughs> and destroy Twitter. I don't think my I don't think my knife's gonna do all that much good. You can't really stab a server, but you can take a hammer to one. Believe you me, I know. <laughs> All right. So then if we were going to stop making video games for the rest of forever. Yep. Let's say we were going to stop making video games until you and me are less burned out and we can catch up on our backlogs. You don't want You don't know how many games I just added to like my wish list and stuff. <laughs> it's a lot. Lord. I went from like uh 30 or so to like 75 on my wish list now. It's not a good time to be You know a how many games I got on my Steam wish list? Five. Are they all Final so Fantasy? <laughs> no, I got all the Final Fantasy games I need. Oh. I got Boyfriend Dungeon, Darkest Dungeon 2, Hedon, and two others I can't even remember. To be fair, I went through and found all of the fishing sims and farming sims that had really good reviews. <laughs> you know, maybe they should just have one fishing game for a while. Just have the one. Have it be... I don't know. Literally, Ultimate Fishing Simulator 2 just came out into early access, I think. I think it's just All early right, access. I'm uninstalling right Steam. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> because there's too many games? Yep. Maybe I gotta get rid of Steam, too, while I'm getting rid of Twitter. <laughs> So, so we're gonna make a list. I'm gonna make a list like like the girl from Kill Bill. I'm gonna make a list. (laughs) Twitter, Steam. Get rid of Epic. Yeah, them too. And and uh, Epic Games. Okay. And whoever is making all the beans. No more beans. <laughs> Why are we getting rid of beans? I don't like them. But don't they go in Frito pie? No. Oh, I thought you put beans in Frito pie. It's just chili cheese and Fritos. Is there not beans in chili? Not necessarily. <laughs> Steam, Epic, Twitter, beans companies. <laughs> So we're keeping Twitch and YouTube then, and Microsoft, because of the Game Pass. For now. For now. I mean, the the Kill Bill lady only had five names on her list, and I have Twitter, Steam, Beans, Epic Store, Motorcycles. That's five. Now I've got a mission. And if I remember to do it, I probably won't. This is our solution for burnout. Stop making yeah. video games. Unmake Steam and Epic. And Twitter. And, and Twitter. 
because being a content creator who focuses on video games is is too, as you put it, goddamn much. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. It's exhausting to watch it happen. I can only imagine how exhausting it is to actually do it. And you do it. I do do it. I said doo-doo. I I am so sorry. Oh, my God. I mean, it's not like you're talking to (laughs) Stephanie Sterling, I'm sure. You can... can, Listeners, I'm so sorry. They probably say, like, "Uh, (laughs) doo-doo. That's feces, isn't it? Jonathan, I'm sorry. I've ruined your show. I'm sorry, listeners. I've ruined the entire show. We were trying to be serious. I'm not sorry. (laughs) I'm not sorry even a little bit. I've ruined it. I'm going to go try and try and hit Twitter with a sledgehammer. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. Okay. If Twitter is down, I'll know it was you. In my heart, I'll know that you're just looking out for us poor burned out content creators you're looking out for our best interests by shutting down twitter just like we've shut down today's podcast indeed indeed my power is unmatched well tonberry thank you for letting me come and guest on your pirate radio takeover of talking to women about video games indeed indeed and i might do it again at some point this has been really fun i'm I'm really glad that we got the chance to talk. I've been listening to your segments for so long and we've never really had a chance to to say hello. 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 (laughs) Let's get back to the show. Thanks, Henry. As for things I'm working on, started working on the next issue of Nintendo Force already, drew a comic strip about a unsung woman protagonist in video games, none other than Mock Rider. Hmm. Often forgotten. Mock Rider, an early Nintendo character. Just a woman riding a motorcycle, shooting cars, and trying to not run out of gas. Not bad. Not bad at all. I don't think so. I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. And F-Zero ended up taking a lot of the essence of Mock Rider and putting it in a male-oriented series that Captain Falcon basically just ripped off Mock Rider's whole deal. Almost the exact same outfit, in fact. Oh, smokes. I've got nothing but complaints about that Captain Falcon right now, but I'll leave that to You'll the... temper it down for now. And oh, yeah, we'll... yeah. You could read the comic strip to get my full thoughts on that. Nintendo 462. We're working on that as we speak. And I'm probably going to take some of the ranting thoughts I just had about how people still making super realistic PS4, PS5 games are similar to Martin Scorsese types in that they are motivated not by making something that will be of optimal mainstream appeal, but in fact are driven by some sort of auteurness at this point. Who would have thought that AAA games would end up being kind of like the art house, fancy pants movies? The Academy Award winning types, the, oh. the Francis Ford Coppola types. Yeah, but, oh, where's <laughs> the heart? Sometimes I got a little heart, tiny bit. Well, a little bit, but they don't usually don't lead with the heart. They lead with the well, killing of the mutants and the putting an axe in the head of a well, it, god. Well, it draws a certain kind of creator and a certain kind of crowd. That is as polite as answers get. It is a thing that someone enjoys making and someone <laughs> enjoys what they face. make. Oh, yeah. I've, I've said that, uh, well, on Boston's Favorite Son and before that, Dismal Jesters, Stephanie Sterling would say stuff like, I've got an idea. Jonathan, we're going to cover you in tar. 
and we're gonna cover you in feathers and we're gonna call you the Chicken King of Boston or something. And I would say, people who like that sort of thing will love that idea. As a way of saying, I of course hated the idea. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. It's very, I think polite, but also pointed and some would even call passive aggressive. Oh. Way of saying, I hate your idea. Yeah. And you hate those AAA game ideas sometimes, Tanya. But we've got a lot of plans for you too, Tanya. I don't know if oh, this no. is going to be in an episode or oh. not. But you, as it turns out, you love shooting games. I really do. You love the arcade game Chiller, where you just shoot people getting tortured. I just wanted to, <laughs> that person the... all chained up against the wall, I just wanted to shoot their head off and yeah. shoot their kneecaps out. There's so like a bad. guillotine, oh. there's a, yep. a head in a vice. And oh yeah, I wanted to crank that vice. You did. Watch that head smush. Pop. Yeah, yeah, really Smushpa. bad, really bad. I wanted to get that done. But you also like Link's crossbow training. There's a whole genre. I fucking love Link's crossbow training. Oh, it's special. <laughs> whole genre of light gun game that I think we're probably going to have time to show you more and more of that genre because you really only know Chiller and Link's crossbow training, which is weird. They're both crossbow games. We're going to be able to show you that whole world. Maybe that's... that's that's my, like, superpower. Maybe that's what I was in a prior life. Crossbow artist? A crossbow, a bad crossbow bitch. Can you put that in a in a, in a a leg holster? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to play Resident Evil Dark Side Chronicles, where you play as Claire Redfield, and she, her signature weapon is the crossbow. I'm oh. so excited. It's going to be fun. I love the crossbow, apparently. And as you should, and... As you should, listeners, know this is the end of the episode. Thank you so much for sticking with us until the very end. We love you and all. We're sorry. <laughs> and we'll hopefully see you next time. Bye, guys. Talking to Women About Video Games is hosted by Jonathan and Tanya, with editing and production by Daniel. Music by Jonathan and Daniel. You can support the show and get exclusive bonuses on Patreon at patreon.com slash T-T-W-A-V. Thanks for listening. When it comes to make loving, I'm coordinated as all hell. Oh, you are? Yes. So, John, Yo. you don't think athletic ability has anything to do with lovemaking? You have to have a, a good sense of rhythm and mental timing. What muscles do you need then? You need uh, strong glutamus maximus muscles. And what is that used for? That is used for bumping and grinding. This is going to make me pee my pants. I swear what about? I think we should write a song called... Big John. Let's do it. <laughs> now, Big John, he drives and he wears tight shorts because he's got to show off his buttocks. Because everybody knows that if you don't have your eggs and your bacon and your ham, then you got to show your triceps off. you got to show off your butt because that's the only thing you can show off. <laughs> when you're at the truck stop, <laughs> Big John, semi-truck. <laughs> Lord, Lord, Yes, indeed. <laughs> at the truck stop. Big John, he is rides the horse. He rides the horse because he can. <laughs> he wears leather across his package. He rides the horse. Rides the horse. Rides. Rides the horse. Yes, he is. <laughs> rides the horse.